you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. Getting younger by the episode. Welcome to another edition of Around the NFL, part two of our super wild card weekend recap series, one of two. And yes, it is set. The best weekend in football, divisional round playoffs is set. Um, let's go through it. Saturday, 1.30 p.m., Texans at Ravens. Saturday, 5.15 p.m., Packers at Niners. Sunday, noon, Bucks, Lions. And Sunday, 3.30, Chiefs, Bills. Give me it. Give me everything you got. That is a great slate of divisional round football. And to get to those matchups, uh, we had to get through. And we thought we we thought we had gotten all the floating trash bags out. Well, we had to use this long weekend, this holiday weekend, and happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day to everyone, um, to sort out the teams that don't matter and the teams that do. And we're going to get into all that with the last two games that were played on Monday, Dan Hans is here with Greg Rosenthal and Mark Sessler. And yes, boys, we did not get any classics on Monday. And in fact, it was two pretty much a one-sided affairs, one more than the other. Uh, but we did do the business that we needed to do to set up what I think is going to be a brilliant week of football next week. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, going Pacific time uh, with all the, the times for next week. That was West an accident. Coast, best coast. Like, let's normalize that. And yeah, the average margin of victory this week for these six games was 17 and a half points. The, the two games on Monday, as you mentioned, weren't like overly competitive, although they were both within one score at, at different points in the second half. It never felt close. But I guess that's why the NFL still wins, or maybe I'm just an addict, is that even though these games, like they really weren't great, just the stories that kind of come with them especially tonight watching the Eagles go down like that to be, are just so fascinating in terms of the drama and everything that's going to come next and everything that came before it to get to this point that it's still like you can't you can't stop watching it even as it's, it's a car crash. Yeah, because I think if you're going to, uh, it, it, it can go two ways. And we're, we're so used to so many of these playoff games going down to the final possession into overtime. Uh, this was a different weekend. If we're still in the weekend, I'm not sure it's still the weekend. It's Monday. It's a holiday Monday. Kids but didn't have school, so at least you're yeah, right. States, so I guess kinda, it is. Yeah. It's a long weekend. But I mean, like when the Cowboys get dismantled utterly, and when the Eagles get their doors blown off, and when even Mike Tomlin is walking off the podium as he's being asked about his future, it's like we are getting storylines that are pretty impactful with some of the most deeply embedded franchises in NFL history. So I'll take it. I mean, I'll take that. Geez, those shots of Jeffrey Lurie uh, in the Eagles uh, owner suite. I mean, <laughs> you can't tell me you're looking at the way the, the, those shots of Lurie stone faced and uh, almost uh, catatonic. And you're wondering, what does it mean uh, for Nick Sirianni? And of course, what does it mean for Mike McCarthy? And what does it mean for Mike Tallman? You're right, Mark. Uh, there's so many storylines to unwrap ahead, but let's get to the games that were played today, including that Eagles game. But let's start. Let's go in order in which they were played. Um, the Bills and Steelers were originally scheduled for Sunday, but a blizzard socked Western New York uh, uh, by today. They had the field looking pristine. Uh, the seats were still covered in snow, which must have been like probably like crazy annoying if you were there. Uh, but we were watching <laughs> it uh, on television. So it was all cool for us and for Bills fans. Man, you're alive. You're alive and well. To Orchard Park. Five on the play clock here on second and nine. Takes the snap. Back to pass. Fires over the middle. Complete on a crossing route to Shakir, who gets away from the tackler. Down to the 10. Looking for the end zone. And he's in. Khalil Shakir did a disappearing act on the tackler. Reversed his field and found the end 
zone. Unbelievable. If you want your uh, child to grow up to be a, a star linebacker, do not let him see tape from either game played today. Some of the worst tackling you will ever see. And Khalil Shakir uh, stayed on his feet, evaded uh, would-be Steelers tacklers, and found his way to the end zone. The clinching score for the Buffalo Bills in a 31-17 win over the Steelers, who were nice enough, I thought, uh, to take my um, strong hint that they weren't invited to next week's action. And, th- and they acted accordingly. <laughs> While, you know, keeping it respectful, it started 14-0 this game with the Bills hitting the tight ends twice uh, in the first quarter and Josh Allen uh, looking locked in. And then Buffalo, as they've been known to do this year, start to get a little sloppy, start to kind of rest on their laurels. They actually let the Steelers back into this game, Greg Rosenthal, to the point where we're talking about a one-score game. Uh, But it was one of those things. It was the the swingers game that we talked about earlier this year, Mark, on one of the Thursday night games where it was almost like the Bills were just – toying with the bunny they were a bear they're just toying with the bunny and when it was time to kill the bunny that's what they did the Steelers are that bunny yeah they were down what 21 nothing in the first half and there's a blocked field goal that that Steelers end up taking advantage of scoring a touchdown later on that driver else they could have been down 24 uh but all the defensive injuries for the Bills which we'll get to did lead to a point it it was 24 17 in the fourth quarter, Bills get the ball. And I I was like you, Dan. I never thought this was really a game because I just thought, well, the Steelers' defense isn't going to stop them. And they didn't. And I think that drive at 24-17, which finished with that Shakir catch we heard, was really all about what this Bills team can do this year, which is they only threw the ball twice on that drive. They let Josh Allen run it a couple times. Uh, He had that big run on on a, a read option where he plows into the defender, and I just have this image of the left tackle, Deion Dawkins, going up behind Josh Allen after that play and making, you know, the flex that Josh Allen does and all the offensive linemen being so uh, jacked up. And Josh Allen ends up running for 74, including that long touchdown. It's like, this is a tougher Bills team. that They can match a team like the Steelers that also runs the ball well. And ultimately, they made enough plays on defense. This offense and Josh Allen, who played a very clean game. We get on him, Mark, for, you know, the the Josh Allen roller coaster. This was not a roller coaster game. This was just a very good game throwing and running the ball by Josh Allen. Yeah, it was, it was um, you know, methodical. And I, I, I thought that, the, you know, even though it, there was a one-score situation late, I, I don't know. I, to me, it felt like it's, at some point the Bills will do something to clean this up and execute the Steelers, and they did. And I thought Josh, Josh Allen, like, you know, the running ability over the last month plus, uh, really since the coordinator switch, has been a huge factor for them. The second longest touchdown run, 52 yards in NFL playoff history. Um, he's the perfect guy to do that. Um, he dominated in cold weather. Three touchdowns, no turnovers. Like, they clean stuff up in the red zone for the most part, and they continue to get help from unlikely characters because like you mentioned Greg like Terrell Bernard goes down Christian Benford Teron Johnson like that's a factor next week but they survived today and they survived pretty easily like the Steelers are going to put up a fight but I don't know I I watched that thing and it felt like a low drama element to me like it was just a matter of time until Buffalo did what they needed to do I mean the idea of the seventh seed being added um you have to take the good with the bad because you're going to take a bad Steelers team within the prism of looking at postseason football, but you're also going to get on the other side, a team like the Packers, which uh, I think a lot of people think is a team that has a chance to make a deep run in the playoffs. So the Steelers felt like they were um, really a placeholder for a bills team that has now gone from six and six to 12 and six. And uh, they had their postseason odds were under 10% at one point. I think they were, what was it? Were they 10th or 12th in the playoff race? At one point, and now here they are, not only winning this game uh, and getting once again to the second round of the playoffs, which they do every year now, they're going to be hosting the Chiefs in their building. uh, And Josh Allen, after the game, talked about this topsy-turvy year for the Bills and how the struggles of earlier in the season have kind of made them stronger now. Well, I mean, I think we're playing at a comfortable level because of the uncomfortable situations that we've been in this last six, seven weeks. Um, you know, it's almost a, a sense of our breath of fresh air knowing that everybody's in the same position that we are, we've, we have been, you know, win or go home. And um, to be in that situation, like I said, the, the, the dividends that it's going to pay off 
Um, and I think you kind of saw that tonight of, you know, we were cool, calm, and collected, and nobody nobody blinked, and we just kind of went out there and did our job, and we're going to need to continue to do that. I think I know what he's saying there too, Greg, that those games, and you remember late in December around Christmas time, you know, while the rest of the league was either playing out the string or everyone had different levels of urgency, the Bills are playing for their lives week after week after week, and there's that, that must have taken a mental toll, and it's almost freeing now that they're just like everybody else. You, you win or you go home, and I, I, love, I love the Bills' chances against a, a vulnerable Chiefs team because of the confidence they're playing with now and the fact that they have a kind of stared death right in the eye and lived to tell the tale. Well, in, in that they have Josh Allen, and obviously the, the Chiefs have Mahomes, but Allen, to me, is unique, the, the way he can run the ball, and that they're getting contributions from the rest of the offense. That was a big concern. Like, you wouldn't have known. Gabe Davis didn't play in this game, and, and hopefully he's back for next week. Uh, but that, that's a big loss for them. Shakir makes a, a great play or two every week. Like, he has finally replaced Cole Beasley. James Cook is a legit running back we've learned that he's a he's a real rb1 he's a pro bowler uh they're, they're run blocking well that catch Kincaid made on the first drive like that's a wide receiver catch and that was a big play i thought in this game i'm pretty sure that was third down uh and you know they'd be punting away and zero zero instead he makes the big catch in a tough situation and they end up going to score the the opening drive touchdown so they're getting contributions from everyone but i'm a little worried I, i'm with you i'd be leaning bills and, and we'll have all week to talk about that but you know, Mark mentioned it going into this game. Uh, they were already down uh, Razul Douglas and Terrell Bernard, their, their, who has been their best linebacker and their best cornerback. Then they lose Spectre, who is one of the fill-in linebackers. They lose Dodson, who has been starting all year at linebacker and playing pretty well, like their second linebacker. That one looks serious. He was carted off. They lost Christian Benford, who's their CB1. Now that Tredavious White has been long gone, Teron Johnson left this game. He's their all-pro slot cornerback. I could be wrong, but I tried to do the, the math here. And, uh, you know, math is tough for me sometimes. I believe they were without their top four cornerbacks and their top four linebackers by the end of this game. And so just how many of those guys are coming back next week? Like, that that's going to matter a lot. But they're an offense first team, and their offense is very healthy. Well, it's a good and thing they're going to need to put the, up a lot of points. It's a good thing they're catching the 2023 Chiefs and not the 2020, right. 2018 to 2022 one, uh, Absolutely. version of that team. Absolutely. Well, and, and you know, this, their regular season five-game win streak to close out the campaign started with them going into Kansas City and winning 2017. Um, then they went and took out the Cowboys. And they've done this in different ways. And it's like I, I kind of feel like they're a team that while we've seen like the Eagles, for instance, and we'll talk about them in a minute, completely melt down under the weight of controversy and in in-house problems. Um, ever since that Tyler Dunn think piece came out, like the Bills have suddenly become this like completely resilient group that injuries have been badgering them for weeks and weeks. But it, you kind of just feel like there is a team where like these secondary and th third story characters rise up week after week. And with Josh Allen, anything is possible. And they're hosting the Chiefs. Like, I don't know. They're a weird team in a weird AFC. It's like, I, I, I kind of feel like anything is possible with them at this point. Uh, on the other side of things, so the Steelers, and credit them, the schedule softened up for a little bit for them. They made the necessary plays, and, and the backup quarterback played well to get to 10-7 and make the playoffs. But the reality of the situation is that uh, this organization has now lost five consecutive playoff games under Mike Tomlin. Uh, we were talking about how the Pete Carroll Seahawks seem to be stuck in neutral in a way, and that and that organization made a move on a forever coach. Um, it's only natural that, and it's the responsibility, I must say, of the reporters at that site during that press conference to broach what is the future of Mike Tomlin, who just completed his 17th season. This is how uh, that question and answer went. Mike, you have a year left on your contract. All right, so if you're watching this on YouTube, you saw Tomlin, stone face, turn, walk away, leave the press conference abruptly. Um, and uh, so he didn't want to talk about it, at least not today. A lot of frustration, obviously, for Tomlin, who has been to the top of the mountain, but it's been a while now. Yeah, some of the coaches that have won playoff games 
I think I tried this out last year too, but heck, play the hits. Uh, you know, since before, like Mike Tomlin, uh, Mike Malarkey, uh, or Doug Marone, Mike Zimmer, they, they've all, all won playoff games more recently. And, and the Steelers' opponents have scored 31 points at least in all those games, which is, which is crazy. That, that question, just for a little context, did come after like a pause, and it was probably got, it was the, the end of the press conference. And so that was going to be the last question anyways. But it was ESPN, you know, Brooke Pryor, who asked it. So he knows who she is, all this stuff. Like, uh, he did not want to answer. He's entering the last year of his contract. That no, but the, you just say no comment, Greg. I no, mean, oh, no, no, I'm not defending it. You make a show of it. Just, it's not a great look. No, I give him a pass. He's frustrated, but... It's not, not at all. For whatever the reason, the, the announcers, Romo and Nance, were like, oh, we talked about to, to Tomlin about his future and the contract being up. And it's like, he's not going anywhere. Why would anyone doubt that? And I... I tend to think that's true. I don't think the Steelers would ever think about it. If 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 there was anything but, you know, brewing, it would be is Mike Tomlin wanting a break or wanting to leave at some point. But even that that to me uh would be very surprising. I mean, a week ago he's a coach of the year candidate. I, I get was they he? lost the playoff game and I, Who, I Tomlin? I, I, not by me. I mean not by anyone. He would I, not I be in Tomlin, anyone's top five. I think in general, like Mike Tomlin, like, I mean, what he's the fact that there's no losing record here, what he's accomplished, like it's the last person I'd fire. But I would say he's one of these coaches, not unlike, you know, Belichick in recent years, floating through the abyss of the NFL without a, a quarterback you can rely on. And like some of these floating trash bags we mentioned on the Zumwalt intro in our last show is like these teams that get cleared out that don't have a quarterback you can rely on. And that's like the Steelers are not to be taken seriously come, you know, mid-January when you're dealing with Mason Rudolph, even if he's played well in the last couple of games, it's like, come on here. Like, I mean, I mean, but you need an answer at that position. And we're, we'll get to some Belichick news that came out during uh, the late game today at the end of the show. But uh, I know, Greg, you kind of dismissed it uh, when we were talking about the end of the Belichick Patriots tenure. But what if the guy the Pats get with a third pick turns out to be a C.J. Stroud type dude? Like, the idea of getting rid of proven battle-tested coaches that have pelts on the wall uh, when you're in a cycle where you don't have a quarterback, that, to me, is a mistake. I, I, I think the Steelers owe it to Tomlin for what he's given that organization to find him a true successor to Ben Roethlisberger. Um, Belichick's a little different, obviously, because Belichick was the guy that was making the personnel decisions for the most part for the Patriots, so it's a little bit different in that in, th in that case, but at the same time, I think it would be a mistake for the, the Steelers to take these last few years of Mason Rudolph, Mitch Trubisky, old Big Ben, uh, Kenny Pickett, who's a middling prospect, and say, well, it's time for a change at coach. But probably not going to happen, but who knows? Uh, who knows what's going to happen? It, it seems like uh, the league is in a weird place with coaching and the owners uh, having itchy trigger fingers. We will be spending probably more of late February, but especially March, and then maybe into April, then Mark uh, wants to be talking about the Steelers quarterback situation, I have a feeling. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they're just going to be like, because they're, they're like wide open. They're going to, it's not going to be just bring back Kenny Pickett. You can't, you absolutely can't do that. And and in the Steelers defense, Steelers fans, w I think will probably want to point this out. It's like, they were as injured on defense, and you could see it in this game as the Bills too. So Tomlin was not including missing TJ Watt, of course, but at linebacker, they were on their fourth and fifth linebacker. Still half, not a big half time their team. secondary. No, not a big time team, but just like not he he was trying to fight with a defense that that was not all there. And I'm I'm fine not watching the Pittsburgh Steelers of the 2023 season any longer. Really, I, the Pittsburgh Steelers of this whole decade have bored me. But I want to give a little credit. Uh, shout out to Mason Rudolph because he is a guy that was completely forgotten played a role, a major role in the making the playoffs. And I thought he played, he, I know he had a bad interception in the end zone, but he, he played a role in them getting back in that game. He was He's way fine. better than I ever would have imagined over this last month. Not the answer, not the future, but in my opinion, neither is Kenny Pickett. So a lot of better than Kenny questions. Pickett without question. I mean, I don't think there was any question here. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Should we take a break? Let's take a break and uh, hit the other uh, game played on Monday night. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish 
Shop now at a store near you. David Moore swings in motion to the left from the 44-yard line. Mayfield throws the ball to the right side. Caught ball. And a broken tackle by Moore to the 40, to the 35-30. David, it's Quay Palmer. Palmer to the 5. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Touchdown, Buccaneers. Fire them cannons. Trey Palmer does it. Gene Deckerhoff. And it was that easy. It shouldn't have been this easy. And yet it was for the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers who uh, get that Trey Palmer 56-yard catch-and-run TD. James Bradbury playing the worst football of his life, uh, toasted as he was missing tackles and bad in coverage really throughout the year. Uh, that put them up 25-9 Tampa Bay. They end up winning 32-9, eliminating the defending, no longer defending, conference champion Eagles. And the, the Eagles are a uh, obviously a, a big, naughty storyline that we're going to get to. But, Mark, let's start with the Bucks because, man, we all had our fun uh, with the NFC South this year, which was a bad division. And one team had to win the division, and it was the Bucks, a, a Bucks team that started out pretty hot then was one of the worst teams in the NFC for about two months and then kind of got their ish together to win that division at nine and eight and then played this game like a team like we're seeing, like we saw a lot this weekend. There are certain teams which makes the ne- one of the many reasons why next week's going to be so much fun. All the teams that are underdogs, for the most part, feel dangerous, not to borrow Baker's line, because they're playing with house money, because they they have nothing to lose. And the Bucs, no one thought the Bucs were going to make any type of dent in, in the playoffs, and they just stomped the Eagles. And now you get the idea of them going up to Detroit, and they're going to be free and easy, including the quarterback, your former quarterback, Mark, who went 22 for 36 for 337, three touchdowns, no picks, averaged over nine yards per attempt, and just led this team in a way that Jalen Hurts and really everyone on the Eagles could not get anything together. Baker was the leader for the Bucks on this night. It's a great story for Baker Mayfield. It's not going to be up there in the level of what happened, you know, in Detroit um, with Jared Goff. But if you've tracked Baker Mayfield's career, and I, I think, you know, there have been these high moments and there have been a lot of low moments and he's inconsistent, but... The version of him tonight, 337 yards, three touchdowns, um, pretty much mistake-free. This is the team a couple times this season that we saw, and I, I think if you're going to get this version of them, they're dangerous. I think it also helps. Let's be real. They came up against a team that was crumbling at the seams, falling apart, and like, I mean, two teams from Pennsylvania decided not to tackle today, but I think this was the most more overt of the two. The Steelers, I've never seen the, anything like it in I, January I'm with football. you. And like, you know, it was interesting because like, um, like on the Manning cast, Ray Lewis, not my favorite person on the planet, but he was going nuts about um, like the tackling angles. It's like you're just watching a team from the pure fundamentals fall apart. Like when James Bradbury and Kevin Byard completely fell apart on that Trey Palmer 56-yard uh, touchdown. It's like uh, that's part of the story here. It's like the Bucks played a pretty flawless game and their defense, you know, the Eagles, the first time they played way back early in the season, ran for 201 yards on this Bucks defense, which is a pretty good run defense. Tonight, 2.8 yards per carry, 42 yards. They mm. couldn't get out of their own way. And so a lot of it for me had to do with the Bucks obviously hitting the Eagles at the perfect time, but then handling their own job as well. Right. I, I think to, to start with the Bucks, so the Eagles... Look, they're the bigger story, and that's fine. I mean, Buck, the Bucks understand that, but but to celebrate the Bucks because a, a win in the playoffs is a big deal, and and anytime you can get it. I mean, even Bills fans should be thrilled. I, I was counting the numbers because I was like, I wonder if who's won more playoff games, Bucks or Bills, since 2020 when the Bills started this run. And it's the Bucks. The Bucks are at six. The Bills are at five. Like it's amazing that the Bucks have now beaten the Eagles twice in the playoffs. Uh, they, they did it a couple of years ago, and they they won four that time. They won the Super Bowl and. They did it tonight with so many of the players that were coached by Bruce Arians, who, you know, I don't think his advisor role, does he still have their role? Maybe he doesn't. It's too active because he's on the Manning cast during the game. Maybe he's not still getting the paycheck. I don't know how that works. I bet he is. I mean, that's the place you want to get in life. Let's let's face it. It's awesome. Uh, But they mentioned 17 guys, which they were pointing out. It's like, oh, that's not that many. I was like, that's a lot. 17 guys are still there from, from a Super Bowl title four years ago. 
Uh, and I think it's six or seven of the defensive starters. And you saw like Levante David with that huge tackle for loss uh, in the third quarter. Cause this was a game. It was a one score game in the third quarter uh, that ends up setting up the safety. And he was all over the place. And Vita Vea was the guy who stuffed uh, the tush push. And Jamel Dean is out there on single coverage. Like all these bulls guys that have been there and it was a great plan. It was the perfect plan. It was a perfect opponent for bulls. Who's just like Mr. Blitz. And he got to face the team that had no answers for blitz. Next gen stats had the number that they had 10 unblocked defenders tonight. That is the most in any game of the next-gen stats era. Uh, Hertz faced quick pressure, which is defined as less than two and a half seconds, on 13 plays tonight. That's the most by any team all season. And it just felt like coaching malpractice. So it was a great coaching job on one hand. Bulls just completely flummoxing this team. And a bad, a terrible one on the other hand. And Peyton Manning, was, he's, he does not like criticizing uh, but he was just sitting there watching like, I can't believe they're just staying in empty with no extra pass protector in there. He's like, that is just being stubborn. They are just being stubborn. They're just doing the same thing. And it's something we watched for like two months. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. That more than anything is why I think Sirianni's going to get fired. And I think Bowles and this Bucks team was weirdly like the worst matchup for him. This or like the Vikings team would have been a tough I mean, let's face it. Like anyone... Well, that's true. Anyone that's true. would the have Giants been a bad matchup for this right. Eagles like team. I think it's it's pretty unprecedented. Um, our buddy uh, Kevin Clark, uh, who works with the uh, Peyton Manning brand over there now, Omaha Productions, um, he he made a comment on Twitter that I was thinking like the same time as I read it. I was like, can you remember a team melting down like this without – without a major quarterback injury or some type of injury that completely destroyed the, the structure of what the team was. Uh, and, you know, they weren't perfectly healthy. Not having A.J. Brown was certainly an issue for them, but I, I just could have imagined. I, w- I imagine A.J. Brown moping his ass around the field in this game as well, making a few plays. I think they were losing with or without A.J. Brown in this game because there's something fundamentally broken uh, with this Eagles team. And it is it is crazy to think that if – the Chiefs don't get the benefit of a ticky-tack holding call at the end of the Super Bowl. We could be talking about the the Eagles being a champion last year, and I don't think anybody's going to be surprised if Sirianni goes because what I saw and I what I think a lot of people saw was a team that had more or less packed it in and, and did not, do not believe in the head coach and the coaching staff. And everyone's doing these 360 windmill dunks on Matt Patricia. Listen, Matt Patricia was just a guy in the deep background on the staff Sean Desai was the defensive coordinator that got promoted when Gannon left. And then the then hired Sir- from outside the building. Yeah. Sir- yeah. Sirianni makes the decision. Uh, weird timing to dump Desai, humiliate the guy in a lot of ways, kick him upstairs and put Patricia in the spot. But it's not Patricia. That's maybe the scheme's not great. I'm not saying it is, but it's not Patricia. That's uh, embarrassing himself on the field with those missed tackles and poor angles and just low effort performance. I mean, the Eagles got to wear this, and you can't just blame it on a coach. I would say, like, to Kevin Clark's tweet, because I saw that too, that I, I, can, I was thinking, kind of jogging my memory, there are certainly teams that kind of went, like, 8-1 and one, and then were revealed to be frauds, but there aren't teams like this that looked like they had turned the corner into the world of maybe being, like, an NFC East dynasty to, 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 with, with a quarterback you could believe in for the next 10 years that went through a personality switch like this over the course of a month and a half, because it was like an Eagles team that, uh, you know, two months ago we were saying the front office is forward thinking. Um, the roster is stacked. Like the way they're built is, is the way you win in the NFC. And then like six weeks later, they seem to lack all confidence. The coaches are flummoxed. Um, they clearly miss both their coordinators. The players feel like they're just on the edge of a total insurrection and the coach could be gone in two days. Here is Nick Sirianni. At the podium, we were kind of waiting on this, and they just had the camera on the empty podium. When's Sirianni going to show up? What's going to happen? Is Jeff Laurie taking him outside, uh, putting him in a basement somewhere, and locking it up? You don't know what's going on with the once proud Sirianni. Here are his comments after the game. Oh, well, obviously we we were in a in a big slide, and you know, uh, anytime anytime that's the case, I always look at myself first and. I didn't do a good enough job, and and obviously we lost five of the last six, and lost today, uh, and and it's almost like you, you couldn't get out of the rut we were, we couldn't get out the rut we we're in, and that's and that's all of us. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it is it is all of us, but it, it is the head coach. The buck stops there. And, and I thought Jalen Hurts' body language and the way he comported himself these last few weeks have really told a, a story, too, of a team that didn't have the proper leadership to help get out of the rut either. Right. I think when Manning was talking about, like, the lack of protection there and, and Jay Gruden got in some heat for popping off about it <laughs> uh, on Twitter, too, just because, like, if I ever let my quarterback, like, get brutalized like this. I hope people would come at me. And then RG three actually did come at him. He was one of his quarterbacks. Uh, <laughs> that was delicious, <laughs> which is, which is hilarious, but that's maybe a, a, co- a quarterback losing confidence in, in his coaching or what's around him. And AJ Brown this week, you know, deleted all the Eagles. I, this, I did not know this during the week. I found this out tonight, but he did the whole like delete all the Eagles stuff. And he also deleted entire uh twitter account and it's tough and i i think it really um was crystallized for me tonight because i've been on the side of like yeah well but the offense hasn't really been the problem it's been the league's worst defense it's been this and that you know the the offense by the numbers and like they've been good they haven't been great and hertz has been good he hasn't been terrible until these last three weeks although it, it really turned into a snowball downhill uh, but then the start of the third quarter, because this game will be remembered as totally one-sided, and it really was, but the Bucks' offense had been settling for field goals. They didn't get any points right before the half. And then in the third quarter, actually, the Eagles' defense, for a minute, settled down. They forced Baker into some bad sacks. They actually punted, I think, three straight times, if I'm correct. And the Eagles' offense had a chance to get back in this game. They're only down one score. And in those three drives after halftime, against a Bucks defense that was highly mediocre all year, they had a total of zero yards. They punted twice. And then they had that sequence where they ended up going backwards, like 15 yards or whatever it was. And Hertz is holding on to the ball forever. And again, they don't have answers for the blitz. And he takes a safety that ends the game. And that, that to me was like, oh, yeah, I guess it really did turn into a full-scale meltdown where there, the, nothing is right about this team. Absolutely nothing is good about this team. Not even the offensive line is, like, good about this team. And you're right. I can't think of anything like this in, in like, our run. The Patriots in, in 19 were fairly similar. They were 10-1, and one and they, but they just got old. It, wasn't, it was just like they weren't as good as the record. They just got old. It wasn't like this. And I'm not going to kill Sirianni for this, although the Flashpoint Focus Series is... I mean, I had the Emmy Awards tonight. My wife's at them right now, actually. Very proud of them. Um, how do we not get an award for this the series at this point? We get the, the the Eagles just never won again after they were the flashpoint <laughs> focus, uh, and and we broached the idea could Sirianni potentially lose his job, and now here we are. It's it, it's kind of um, stunning, and we're gonna see what happens there. Uh, but to pivot back to to the Emeka, by the way, was watching this game with me and because, you know, we're hoping to move up in the world and whatnot. And she knows I'm just an associate producer uh, to the assistant to the to the producer. Um, yes. And she was seeing what was happening with this Eagles team. And she was just like, "Ooh, baby, maybe we can get that new washer and dryer. Maybe we're going to get a bonus at the end of the season. I told calm down. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, to have I mean, a supportive Greg. wife is one of the great one of the great weapons for any man. Um Greg, but, she's uh, literally never listened to an episode of our show, though, so it's it's kind of hard for us to feel that she has an incredible sway over your position inside the you know the vehicle. Yeah, that's fair. Tough, uh, by the way, tough uh, weekend for the NFC East, Maron. Um, so Tom Brady, just to underline what an amazing year this has been for the Bucks, uh, given where the expectations were. They had Tom Brady for one last ride last year. They go eight and nine and get wiped by Dak and the Cowboys in the first round. Now they're 10 and eight and they are going uh, to the second round of the playoffs to face the Lions, who are a very good team, a very fun team, a team that is very easy to root for. But they, Mark Sessler, are not uh, quite a juggernaut either. And uh, again, like Baker in this spot is going to be dangerous. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I think he is going to absolutely play well in that spot. And will will the Bolsasans take hold and be able to minimize what Detroit does? We have a week to get into that game, but I really think that is a competitive game. I don't think this is the Bucs had their moment tonight and get the doors blown off. I think they're going to surprise people again with another good performance. They're not done yet. 
Yeah, I think we, I mean, we laid it out. There's a lot of players here with playoff experience, and I, I think they're going to be doubted a lot during the week, and there's going to be a lot of people jumping on the Detroit story. And, and whenever you get Baker Mayfield getting doubted over the course of a week, you're going to get the better version of Baker Mayfield. And just, like, think about the smile on Todd Bowles' face at the end of that game. Like, this team is playing with house money, and that's a dangerous thing in January. Baker going to get the Geno Smith contract, Greg? Something like that? I don't think so. But I, I could be wrong. I don't, I don't think he's going to get that much. But it's funny how these playoff games mean so much. Because, like, let's say Antoine Winfield doesn't make that play where he knocks the ball out at the half-yard line last week, and the Panthers end up beating the Bucks. You know, because the, the Bucks, I think, had basically no touchdowns over eight quarters other than garbage time for two weeks against the Saints and, and the Panthers. Like, the Baker's not getting anything. But then you come out and you play great right. tonight and you play That's great sports. great next week. Yeah, no, I know it. And and it's been a good season. And yeah, I, I don't think you would get that contract, but But that because that's not I, I point that one out because it wasn't overly lavish. It rewarded yeah. him and positioned him clearly as the He still top got of the like food 40 chain, million it, guaranteed. That would be surprising to me, but they they might feel some real loyalty, especially if he plays well in Detroit and it's a good matchup. Before we move on, let's hear from Baker Mayfield after the game. We fought so hard to get to this point, to get a chance to be in the playoffs, and I'm so proud of this team tonight, the way we came out and started fast. Um, I just, I'm so proud. And so we wanted to give ourselves a chance, and now we, we did just that. We can play better than we did tonight, but it's on to the next one, so we're on to Detroit. Mm-hmm. And Baker has won a playoff game for the first time since that Browns win over the Steelers, Mark. Um, so he is no stranger to the big stage, and we will see what happens next. Weird. Weird to see the Eagles just bizarre. To see them crumble the, the way they did. The same thing happened five years ago. It they the the people in their like in their organization that have been there the whole time have to be feeling such whiplash. I know the team that defended uh the title was better than this. They were competitive in the playoffs. It wasn't a collapse quite like that, but they were nine and seven uh that, that season after they won the Super Bowl. And then the next year the the Floor totally fell out and the guy they had given you know the, all that money to Carson Wentz was like all right, is this guy even going to stay on our team and here we are again I don't think Hertz is going to have that trajectory but like I mean but shoot geez, it's, think it's, about, it's along the same line right now <laughs> forget about 10 and 1 Mark let's let's go back to last year's draft and when they you know everything everything they were doing was being hailed as genius and and they were seen as this team that was just yes they got beat in the Super Bowl but this this is the the organization in which you strive to be in the modern NFL to where they are right now. It's it's going to be a fascinating 72 hours, I think, around that organization. And and Jason Kelsey, by the way, which I thought was maybe a little. Listen, I like Kelsey. We all like Kelsey. Good guy. Great with the media. Outstanding football center. But treating it like Michael Jordan retirement watch at the end of the ESPN telecast felt a little strong. He left the locker room without speaking to reporters. And there's a lot of speculation that his career will be coming to an end, um, even though he's still playing at a high level. So there's going to be change around the Eagles. You know it. I thought Troy Aikman uh, made some, you know, good points and some kind of heavy comments that the idea of like, you could tell immediately that this team was checked out before the game started. And the only way to fix this situation is substantial changes to to re-energize the fan base and get the the organization back on track. What will Laurie do? That's almost probably what he's thinking about when they're showing him in that suite. Yeah, and I mean it's <laughs> it goes beyond Kelsey too because guys like Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Wes Watkins, DeAndre Swift, Zach Cunningham, Nicholas Moreau, and there's like 15 other guys that are like pending free agents. So I think no matter what, the Eagles are going to look um, functionally very different. And with the, while the team took a dip, and I'm not, I'm not down on Jalen Hurts entirely, but I would say that like a year ago, he was like an overt MVP candidate. And, and just kind of to see what's happened to him over the last five or six weeks leaves you questioning like the entire future. And there were no questions going into this year around Hurts. Who knows? His number one wide receiver might be asking out of town. Like there's a lot of 
And they're Drama not afraid to AJ shake Brown. things up, to make big trades, to to be bold. And um, that's when I say they, it's essentially Howie Roseman, but it's also Jeffrey Lurie. And uh, that it, it makes me wonder, like, whose decision? What? Like, I don't necessarily assume it was Nick Sirianni's decision to even make the change with Sean Desai. Like, that might have been Jeffrey Lurie and or Howie Roseman. The, the 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 reporting that's been around the Eagles over the years reminds me of how baseball managers are very upset with the money ballification in in uh, baseball of like how the front office is basically telling coaches what to do. The, the Eagles feel as close to that as any NFL team where they view the coaches as a little fungible and that Roseman and, and even Lurie is is kind of kind of calling the shots in this org. Um, all right. So that's where we're at. One round complete in the NFL playoffs. Uh, let's hit some news starting with uh, this broke in the second half of the uh, Eagles Bucks tilt the Atlanta Falcons interviewed Bill Belichick for the head coaching job. Uh, the team announced Monday that they interviewed Belichick. Uh, it is the first known interview done by the uh, famous coach since uh, Belichick and the Patriots mutually parted ways. Belichick has been a head coach for 29 seasons, 24 in New England, five in Cleveland. And of course, maybe his most famous victory uh, is uh, Brady and company overcoming a 28-3 deficit in Super Bowl 51 against the wait for it Atlanta Falcons. So it, it's just everything about it is is if as a football fan strange mark because you just you can't imagine Belichick being on another sideline. You can't imagine him being part of an interview process and it's kind of hard to imagine him on the Falcons after 28 to 3. A great tweet tweet of the night by Nora Princiati um quote tweeted the Falcons announcing that the interview is done above it. Can you tell us about a time you faced significant odds and how you overcame them? <laughs> Did you watch the game on Monday? Well I love it. Um, yeah, it was kind of like, like it's kind of like Meryl Streep um, having to like audition for like a local town performance of like Oklahoma. It's like, we think we pretty sure she can do this. Um, but I, I, <laughs> I like I get it. I mean, you want to meet with the owner, and I think that that's an important thing to to Belichick. And I think Arthur Blank would be a good owner for Belichick. I really do. I think that's like kind of like the key thing for the final stage of his career. But then he'd walk into a situation not unlike um, Arthur Smith, where it's like, what are you doing with quarterback? That's what we just did with Belichick. So I always I, the Falcons feel like a bit of a weird fit to me um, for for Bill Belichick. But uh, I don't know. I don't. There aren't a lot of Greg. There aren't a, a bunch of teams lining up to talk to him right now, from what we know. I I, I thought it was interesting. Tom Pelissero, the Pell Razor, I think had this first. And if he didn't, I apologize. But he definitely had the info that it was in person, which to me was was meaningful. Whether a it shows the seriousness to it, like they're you know they're not messing around. Well, Bill doesn't know how to do a, a remote. <laughs> camera setup. I mean, let's be fair. Now, uh, I don't know if it was in Atlanta. So it's like if 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 Belichick's getting on a plane, it's like, shoot, he's probably taking the 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 job's happening. If he's getting on a plane, if if Arthur Blank got on the plane and came to Foxborough, either way, the fact that the news is out there that it's in person almost signals to me that like, hey, um, if there's anyone else that's gonna get in this, you better do it now, because uh, you know we just met in person and. We might we might go ahead and, and do this thing. Like, yeah, I, I mean, think I just couldn't believe it. Reading the tweet that they tweeted it out and there was like a little picture with it. It's just like, what? what is happening? It just, it's almost as if <laughs> that using the word interview just doesn't even seem right. When it's Bill Belichick, say we met with Bill Belichick about our open position. Like, right. If anything, he <laughs> should be interviewing you. Uh, and maybe that's part of the uh, if there are teams and there are many teams looking for a coach right now that are apprehensive about entertaining the idea it's just the enormity of the belichickness of it all um but like i'm like with you mark on i think the cowboys it's worth a, a very serious conversation uh at the star i think the eagles should be talking about it if they're looking to make a big change potentially i think belichick uh is someone that any team looking to hire a coach right now should take advantage of the blessing that he's at least an option potentially and meet with him if you can. But, uh, oh you know, gosh. a lot of people Don't... have the option to to engage in a potential business arrangement with Lamar Jackson, and they they galaxy brain their way out of that one. So this one didn't surprise me either. Same thing with Tom Brady, by the way. No one, not many right. teams particularly want him. Like the Chargers kind of did, and that, that was a, about it. Man, don't let Belichick go to the Eagles. I might have to just, you know, become a, a, an Eagles fan here for 
Oh, you, that will make you become an Eagles fan, Greg. I love that for the well, Eagles. You know, it's all relative. I picked the Bucks tonight. I was, I was, I wanted this team to go away. This team was was done. though. I went five and one this week. I had a nice week overall. Nice I, job. The Cowboys nice obviously job. ding me and the rest of the world, but uh, things. You know, the home teams played well. Uh, obviously, this weekend, except for Dallas, which is ironic because they were the best home team in the league this year. Um, but next week will be another challenge in terms of picks. Uh, in other news, hey-o, hey-o, speaking of the Patriots, uh, this went down uh, in a funky timing in terms of our podcast taping schedule, but Gerard Mayo was indeed hired to replace Bill Belichick as the Patriots coach, 37 years old. He's a Patriot lifer. He was a linebacker for the team in the glory days and has been on the staff and uh, different roles uh, for years. He becomes the first black head coach in Patriots history, uh, which is great, obviously. And uh, I guess the one question I have, Greg, because I think you did share some, um, you harbored some, you, you were a little concerned about the idea of moving on from Belichick and then moving right to kind of a Belichick disciple and another defensive-minded a uh, guy they had a chance to start fresh, and you're obviously bringing in a quarterback. So there, it's not a uh, a slam dunk bringing in a hot shot play caller and then drafting a quarterback move, but it doesn't mean it can't work. No, and Gerard Mayo is known as like an incredible leader inside that locker room. He was as a player and in a great football mind. And I think that was just my first reaction was like, well. Do we really think Belichick's the prop, like the total problem here? Because all you're doing is like, you're you're giving one of his assistants a uh, a promotion. We don't know who the GM is. There's some reporting that they don't mind not having a GM till the draft. So I I think it's this guy that's in house, which is Elliot Wolf, Ron Wolf's old son, is what my guess is. Because obviously someone has to be the GM through the next Lord two Greggy. or three months, but they might Great. not like officially make it happen or something. I mean, let's you could also connect the dots and. Robert Kraft's want, wanted this to be his show for a long time, and all of a sudden, Robert and his son might be able to be calling all the shots here I mean, that and would do the be, Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones thing. That would it's be certainly concerning. possible. That would be concerning. It would be Jonathan. I mean, Robert Kraft, who, who was pretty good on that press conference, I thought, all things considered, but he's 80. I think he's 82. He's 83. I mean... So is Jerry it, Jones. Yeah, it's a little it's a little worrisome. That said, uh, he is the first one to get hired, and there are like people really do believe in him. James Palmer had a good thing on our on our show, the NFL Report, of how it would be different, how he has all these ideas. He's already interviewing like special teams coordinators. The guy from the Falcons, who's like respected as you know one of the top ones in the league, is like he's getting to do this before anyone else does it. So I guess they have a, a little bit of a, a head start, and he's got some ideas. But I'm I'm a little skeptical. He is apparently trying to keep Steve Belichick, which is that to me is bizarre. You know what, though? <laughs> like, like, the, like that they're close. They work together for like eight years now. So they're, they're, they're like best friends. Like they right, consider right. each other. Steve Belichick called him like his like a he felt like his a brother to him. So it's like I think maybe he should stay then. Don't what, go with his dad. Yeah. Well, right. I think also what's wrong with branching out on your own. I mean, in Dan, you mentioned on the other show, it's like you don't want to be the guy that follows, you know, Belichick, the guy. The only thing about this situation in particular versus coming off like a Belichick, you know, Super Bowl or something is like the past couple of years with Belichick have been distasteful to Patriots fans and, and, and messy. And so it's not I don't think it's the quite as bad of a situation as like taking over for what we think taking over for Bill Belichick would be. It's like it's been a bad Patriots experience. Um, yeah. It's fresh blood. He's liked inside the building. If players like him, like, I don't know. I don't hate it. I kind of. It's who Kraft wanted for years. It's he's been talked about for two plus years. So you it was got in his contract. They didn't have to. Right. They they literally didn't have to interview anyone else, um, which you would have to with the Rooney rule. Uh, even though Mayo's black, that is a rule. You still have to interview you know multiple candidates, uh, unless you have it written into your contract that it's a succession plan. And and he did. <laughs> Just like making up the rules as we go. Right. No, like that. Eric DaCosta had it. The the, yeah. the Ravens GM. There was like they had like three exact examples of like times this has happened. It with GM or coaches that if you put it in, you can do it, and that's it. It's bizarre. All right. Well, absence also makes the heart grow fonder, and Patriots fans, even though they grew, listen. Part of great, incredible success like the Pats had is the fan base gets spoiled and expects it always to be that way. Uh, but there's going to be pressure on Mayo to to show that this thing is on track or it's just going to be more man 
the fan base and the ownership like longing for the good old days that those those nine Super Bowl appearances and six titles are going to cast a long shadow that will last you know decades uh that's maybe the, price. the rest of my life you know that's the especially price especially if Belichick is winning Super Bowls with Jalen Hurts next year doing his tush push right. and getting Gatorade take, bath take it from a Yankee fan like it's not good enough uh to just make the playoffs you need to continue to acquire chips and if you don't it's considered failure so Mayo's got a big job ahead of him but first thing they got to do is find a quarterback for him or he doesn't have a chance in hell um anything else in the news that you guys wanted to throw out there not really you mentioned Harbaugh yesterday the fact that he's already interviewing with the Chargers and he might take another one or two tells me he he got on from from Michigan and so that, that's a fun one and otherwise all the all these teams are doing a million interviews but We'll wait till all's quiet happens. in Dallas still uh, 24 yeah. hours after the Cowboys meltdown. Uh, we also have, I believe the, um, the dolphins giving some form of uh, supportive words for Tua with his contract status uncertain. Uh, but we will be tracking all this stuff as uh, it continues to roll out. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday. Um, hopefully we'll get Connie unless she gets pulled into another, nefarious uh 345 park avenue event uh or she's in hiding as an eagles fan and doesn't want to do the show i don't know we're gonna find out but the hope is that colleen rejoins us because it's been too long uh without the tiny box so uh make sure you're there for that uh and until then uh, thank you to everyone uh for listening and we are one round done three to go to wednesday heed the call You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.